What's up, everybody? Hope you, uh, hopefully, 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 your weekend went well. Let's jump into Monday. Mike Steely along with Parker Thune. We are here in the Buffalo Wild Wings studios today. Super Bowl week is here. Coming on Sunday, 5.30 on Fox, the Eagles and the Chiefs, one-and-a-half-point favorite for Philly in that matchup. We'll talk about that, I'm sure, a lot more later in the week. But let's talk a lot of uh, Sooner football and basketball today. And when we start with basketball, we need, like, that Price is Right sound effect, womp, 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 you know, because that was ugly in Morgantown on Saturday. It was not pretty at all. The Sooners were down 10-2 to early in the game. They're down 26 at halftime. They lose by 32. They see a seven-game winning streak against West Virginia come to an end, 93-61. to They have to turn around Wednesday and go play a pretty good Baylor squad on the road, 8 o'clock on ESPNU. And then they've got Kansas coming to the LNC uh, Saturday at noon here in Norman. And Parker, man, it doesn't look good. I mean, you get a lot of problems with the OU basketball program right now. On the courts, lack of athleticism. You know, fans, I know we had a lot of people in for Alabama and for Bedlam, but fan support has still been an issue. The arena is an issue. The toughness of the league is an issue. A lot of things not going very well with Oklahoma basketball right now. They're just not good, Steely. And how wild is it that we're nine days removed from this team throttling the number two squad in the country, and we're sitting here on a Monday just kind of reconciled to the fact that, yep, this team sucks, and they're probably not making the tournament. Yeah, yeah, and the and future is not any brighter than the present, and the present is pretty dang dim when you look at the last two performances that they've put on. No doubt about it. You know, Oklahoma, since defeating Alabama ninety-three to sixty-nine, the number two team in the country, giving people hope again. Hey, maybe this team can make a run. Maybe they can get to the tournament. Well, they lost by ten to Oklahoma State in a game that wasn't really that close. Then they lose in Morgantown by thirty-two. So the last two L's by a combined twenty-one points, and it really was much worse than that. So. Sooner basketball struggling mightily right now. Here's Porter Moser on the massacre in Morgantown. You know, we cut it to five, and we were in deep foul trouble, and then they opened it up the last six or seven minutes or eight minutes of the half to to 20-something. And, um, you know, just shot it well, and then they went and got their own rebound. And, um, you know, we were trying to play with five guards, and we just – it's so hard. They're so physical, big. I thought they played so hard defensively. You know, I thought they, they're, they're, they're older. You know, they're older physical guys, and we didn't handle it well. Um, and then you combine their, their physicality on defense to them making shots and then rebounding the way they rebounded. You know, our two post players, you know, one, one, one fouled out in 11 minutes with no rebound, and the other one fouled out in 13 minutes. There you go. That's our Ortho Central clip of the day with Ortho Central with all kinds of locations for you now. Norman, Midwest City. Now they've got a brand new Tri-City location as well, serving Newcastle, Tuttle, and Blanchard. These full-service clinics treat orthopedic and sports medicine injuries. So uh, you've got Baylor on the road Wednesday, Parker. Saturday you come back home to play Kansas, a Kansas team that plays Texas tonight, 8 o'clock on ESPN. Jayhawks really got throttled in Ames by Iowa State by 15. This is a Kansas team that's 6-4 and four in the league. That's a huge game, by the way, for Texas and Kansas tonight because Texas leading the league. They win this game. They're, in, they're already in good shape to possibly win this league with everything that happened with Chris Beard. And now if they win this game at Allen Fieldhouse tonight, they're really in control. And Kansas, of course, has been struggling. But you've got Baylor on the road Wednesday, Saturday KU coming into the LNC. Then you have K-State at home at Texas 
Tech at home at Iowa State, at Kansas State. Then you wrap up the season, uh, the regular season, with a matchup against TCU. Cowboys beat TCU over the weekend. Caleb Boone continues to play great. I know that Mike Miles and Eddie Lampkin didn't play. Still a good win for an Oklahoma State team that's playing really well. But really, you're looking at, if you just look at who's going to be favored in these matchups, that means Oklahoma, if it plays according to the way Vegas thinks this thing's going to play out, would be 3-15 and in the league. And have a what that would be 13 and um, would that be let's see 13 and nine 13 and 20 overall? Would that be what the, the record is? You've got two and eight, so you've got eight more games, so it would be 13 and 18 on the season. So if that happens, and I'm not a knee jerk guy, and I know there's some people out there, Porter Moser needs to be gone right now. But if you miss the NCAA tournament for the second year in a row, you finish 13-18 and 18 and like 3-15 and 15 in the league, his seat at least has to be rather lukewarm next season, right? Lukewarm is probably a good word because I don't know that he's on the hot seat heading into year three. And look, I feel as though we spend way too much time splitting hairs over what Oklahoma did and didn't accomplish in year one. The reality was they had a resume that was good enough to get them into the NCAA tournament. They just as well could have been a tournament team as not been a tournament team, but ultimately they didn't do enough such that that decision was left in the hands of the selection committee and the selection committee ruled in favor of a couple teams that were not named Oklahoma. But if you got a couple different folks making up that committee or that have input on that committee, maybe Oklahoma's a tournament team and this whole conversation is significantly diminished and we're just regarding this year as kind of an off year for Oklahoma basketball. But a couple things to keep in mind. A, you mentioned it, this team's just not very athletic. They don't have size, and to me, that's the biggest bugaboo. They do not have size, and until they have size, well, you're going to get Tanner Groves continuing to get pushed around in the post. And... He's not a guy that can be a five in the Big 12. That's not a knock on the kid. He's a good basketball player. And when he's playing the role to which he is suited, I think he's very capable, but he's in over his head right now. That's not his fault. It's just due to the fact that they got nobody bigger that they can put up against the likes of a Musa Cisse or a Brandon Miller, for instance. And I think as you head into year three, you're really, really encouraged with your backcourt and what the future looks like in that regard because Milo Suzanne and Otega Uwe are two guys that you can build around. I would presume you're going to have Jalen Hill back for a fifth year. That guy's a consummate sooner. Uh, doesn't have a whole lot of NBA draft stock right now, but a very valuable piece. And I think the contribution that you've gotten this year from a walk-on and Sam Godwin has been refreshing, but you have to go to the portal. You, and you have big. to get somebody you've got to get an athletic that you can plug and play in the post. Right? You've got to. They've got to get bigger and they've got to get more athletic, and you need a guy. And, again, I, I think that Tanner Groves is a guy who, who tries, who plays hard. At times he has some nice games out there. I mean, he's a hard-nosed kid, all of that. I'm sure he works hard, but he's just not good enough in this league. I'm sorry. And you need to go out and get more big players with athletic ability. So far in this 2024 class, and I think the last I checked, Oklahoma was 30 overall with their recruiting class. They've got Caden Cooper coming in, uh, the kid from Atlanta. He's a small forward, uh, number 48 nationally. They have Jacob Cole coming in, the kid from Branson, Missouri, who's 6'7". 
Uh, you know, and maybe he's a good stretch player, but you need to get uh, – I'm not saying you have to go get Zach Eady or somebody, but you've got – and he's not that he's super athletic. He's just gigantic, but they've got to get better. The bottom line is this. However you want to spin it, Oklahoma basketball should not be this bad, period. And I know it's a tough league, and we can talk about everything. It, it is a tough league, man, really tough. Um but, man, you – you look, I didn't expect them to go to Morgantown and win this game. I know they've had the winning streak against West Virginia and everything, uh, but I didn't expect it. But I didn't expect, again, to them to get completely obliterated like they did. And to me, here's what it's about for Oklahoma going forward. It's about the personnel catching up to the philosophy because Porter Moser's philosophy works. We've seen this. You don't go to the Final Four at a place like Loyola, Chicago, if you aren't a really good basketball coach, Steely. So everybody on the text line and everybody on social media over the last few weeks, they've said, Porter's not that good. Look at his career record. No. Again, you don't go to the Final Four at Loyola, Chicago, if you don't know real well what you're doing. And Porter Moser does. But his philosophy has always been slow the game down. Right? It where his teams have had success in the past is where you've gotten into those 57 to 53 slugfest type basketball games. Right now, he's got a bunch of really talented guards, but his team is small. They don't have a strong post presence, and they're much more cut out for the go go, up tempo, bombs away from beyond the arc style of basketball. And I just don't know that with what Moser has done in the past and where he's been able to find success as a coach if those two things are necessarily commensurate to success in the Big 12. Yeah, you know what's crazy is if you would have told me they were going to beat Alabama by 24 points, you know, first of all, I would have thought you were crazy. I thought really the only way that Oklahoma could win that game would win it – they could win it like 62-60 to 60 or something. But they scored 93 in that game. That tells you – what we said, that was basically almost the Don Larson perfect game yeah. for OU against Alabama. So we'll see what happens coming up uh, Wednesday night at Baylor. And certainly you can't really have a, uh, a good feeling about what's going on because nothing good's going on right now, at least in the last two games. So, again, um, I don't know, man. This, this is really, really depressing for OU fans out there. And, yes, it's a football school but you think of what Billy did and what Kelvin did, what Lon did, getting this team to the Final Four. And I realize that Porter's only in his second year. And I don't think he's a bad basketball coach by any means. But it's not working right now. Not working. And, again, you can talk about, well, the Big 12 is just too tough, all of this. Yeah, but you shouldn't be going to Morgantown and losing by 32. You know, it just shouldn't be happening like that. And like we said, the Oklahoma State game, that was a 10-point spread. But we knew it felt like Oklahoma State was in control of that whole basketball game all right good to have you with us here on a monday mike steely parker thune with you 405-651-3439 on the air comfort solutions text line we will look forward to your texts we're going to talk a little sooner football recruiting when we get back what's happening there want to thank last year home comfort systems for sponsoring our first hour here on the home of sooner fans the ref
Monday, 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 Mike Steely, Parker Thune with you on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Hope you had a great weekend. Let's jump into some Sooner football. How about that David Stone pick over the weekend? How about that? He put he, he had the pick out there oh, with the no. Sooner hat on and the horns down, oh, so it's no. back to Oklahoma, right? Uh, he he just retweeted that picture. He originally put that out in December. Yeah, right, yeah. This is This is what life's going to be like for the next eight months. We're going to be... Doing radio segments on every little thing that David Stone puts out because that's the nature of the recruitments of five stars, especially five stars who come from within state lines. But to be honest, Steely, I just I I wish I could press pause on that recruitment until the summer comes around because I really don't mm. think anything material is going to change for quite a while there. I do remember that pick from a long time ago, but what did he say? Like. I think it's about time to do this again or something like that. And everybody went crazy. Yeah, here we go. Um, You know, uh, people do things for engagement. And that's what it is right now. And you just don't know what's going to happen. I know a lot of people are very concerned about Michigan State, but it's so early in the process. The bottom line is when it comes to recruiting five-star defensive linemen, OU fans are frustrated. And they want to think, you know, since he's a Dell City kid and he went out to he was at IMG for a while and where where did he ended up somewhere else, right? No, he's still at IMG for the He's moment. still at IMG. Okay, so he's still at IMG. But I think people think, oh, Dell City automatically, well, he's gonna be an OU guy, no doubt. And uh, you cautioned people last year about by Job, who ended up at Michigan State, by the way. Because even though he was living in Norman, there wasn't a huge connection to OU, right, for by Job. With David Stone, there seems to be a bigger one. So does Oklahoma still have a chance eventually to land David Stone? Absolutely. It's way too early in the process. And I think probably most people would tell you when it's all said and done, they would probably, if they had to project where he was going to end up, it would still be Oklahoma. But, man, there's a lot of time left in this, a ton of time. And I have a feeling this is going to be, I don't know if the outcome is going to be the same as the David Hicks deal, but it's going to be that kind of thing. Well, if the outcome is the same as the David Hicks deal, I think David Stone's going to look like even more of a charlatan than David Hicks was in some people's eyes because as soon as DJ Hicks committed to A&M that day, David Stone took to Twitter and said, I can't be bought. NIL isn't going to determine where I go to school. So... Mm-hmm. If that comes into play, a lot of people are going to be pulling the receipts on that. Anything new on the Michael Hawkins situation? They still trying to work out his transfer. What's going? Is there any buzz there at no, all? No substantial updates. Um, again, that's something that I I would expect is going to last. I I I think we get to the end of the month of February without a whole lot changing there, and I think in March to me. That's where we're going to see the rubber meet the road in terms of OU and or TCU really solidifying their chance to land his commitment. I think it's going to be Oklahoma. I've said that before. Uh, That's really been no secret for probably close to a year now. But TCU's in this thing. Kendall Browse is in this thing. And it feels to me like Michael wants to spend a little bit more time around TCU, perhaps at least give them a fair shake before he makes a decision. I, I, th- There's just too much working in Oklahoma's favor, Steely, in my eyes, for this kid not to be a Sooner in the end. 
the legacy factor, the fandom, the fact that he took four unofficial visits to OU this past fall and was back in town for junior day at the end of January, uh, the relationship with Jeff Lebby, not just his relationship, but his father's relationship. Heck, the relationship with Jackson Arnold, because those two are close. To me, all signs point toward Oklahoma, and I'd be surprised in the end if Hawkins ends up saying no to Oklahoma. If, let's say, hypothetical here, Michael Hawkins ends up going to TCU for whatever reason, and obviously Kendall Bryles moving there as the OC, replacing Garrett Riley would would be the, the huge part of that reason. But let's say that Michael Hawkins, again, ends up a horn frog. Would Walker White be the one who knocks? Would he be the one who knocks on Brent Venable's door? Meaning what? I just I. It's a Breaking Bad. I know. Here, I but, haven't watched Breaking Bad. I have it on my list of shows that I need to get into soon. Well, Elaborate a, a little bit more. It. Well, would he be the next guy if Hawkins isn't the guy? Would he be the number one fallback option if they don't get Michael Hawkins? Or would it be somebody else? I really don't know who the number one fallback option would be. Um, you had Walker White commit to Auburn this past week. Uh, DJ Lagway, that ship obviously sailed a long time ago when he committed to Florida. I think their only uncommitted QB offer, and don't cite me on this, but offhand, I think their only other uncommitted QB offer in the class of 2024 would be Michael Van Buren. Mm, yeah. So if they miss out on Hawkins... I would anticipate that they throw the kitchen sink at Van Buren or uh, they just start doing some localized evals and look for a guy that's within reasonable distance from Oklahoma that wouldn't mind coming in behind a guy like Jackson Arnold. Because that's the thing, man. It's just kind of the perfect storm with Michael Hawkins landing in the 2024 class because realistically the 2024 class is not a cycle where – under normal circumstances, you would expect to be able to land an elite quarterback because who wants to follow the act that is Jackson Arnold? Yeah, and that's Turns why out- Muleshoe usually had kind of a year in between. It seemed like you you try and get a guy, obviously, but we're talking about one of the top. You know, you've got to put Jackson Arnold as, if not, you know, everybody's talking about Arch Manning and uh, Malachi Nelson, but he's one of the top three, four high school quarterback prospects in America. There's no doubt. I mean, obviously, he's a five-star. And with Walker White, I'm just talking about could they get back in that with a commitment already with with Auburn? Could Oklahoma, if they really got interested maybe at a higher level there, could that be a possibility? We'll have to wait and see. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Um, there's so much time left in this process. So, again, I'm going to ask you, when when do you think the Sooners get off the schneid? What is the schneid, by the way? I have never heard that expression used in my life, so it's, I, it's I don't an know. old person's expression. Yeah, but I'm not. I just said it. And I don't even know what the Schneid is, so I'm trying to figure out what is the Schneid. When will the Sooners get off the Schneid, whatever it is, and get that first commitment? And if you were a betting man again, who would you say it would be right now? First guy to say I'm in. Bryant Wesco. Okay. Bryant Wesco would and be my answer. Fill people in on who he is and four-star wide receiver out of Midlothian, Texas. Uh, mom went to Oklahoma. Sister plays soccer at Oklahoma right now. Heavy Oklahoma lean as things stand. I think he wants to take a few more visits in the spring before he finalizes a decision. But it's always felt like that kid was going to end up at Oklahoma, and I wouldn't be surprised if the staff pushes him really hard throughout this dead period to just go ahead and jump on board and kickstart the class. 
Speaking of uh, classes, Joel Klatt liked the Sooners 2023 class a lot so much. He even took a, maybe a little bit of a shot at Muleshoe, which we always enjoy. I thought Oklahoma had a really great class. And, and obviously the, the rankings suggest that. As far as the total class um, in terms of recruits and transfers, number six, uh, their best since 2021 when Caleb Williams came in. Uh, they had the, the number four class in the country when it just looks at high school recruits. That's their best high school class since 2005. So Brent Venables did a great job. I looked back at some of these classes that they had had, high school only, over the last few years, and Lincoln Riley wasn't touching that. You know, 2019, I believe, they had like the sixth best class in the country. Um, they had... An, an eight in there, but then like 10, 13, 9, 19 in 2016. So Brent Venables has done a really good job. Their first class is the best they've had in a long time. Uh, six of their best seven recruits are either defensive players or offensive linemen. How do you get good? How do you win going into the SEC? You better play good defense. You better play good on the line of scrimmage. And their best player overall is their quarterback that they got Jackson Arnold. So I loved what uh, Oklahoma did. Do you remember at this time uh, in that 2023 class, did the Sooners have a couple of commitments already? Uh, so this time last year, Oklahoma had, let me think here, they had Josh Bates committed. Okay. They'd just gotten Jackson Arnold, and they'd also just gotten Eric McCarty. So they had three commitments. However... Uh, if you set aside the whole Ashton Cozart saga, they didn't get another commit until, I want to say, Cade McIntyre in June. If my memory serves me correctly, please, Air Comfort Solutions text line, correct me if I'm wrong on that. But as I recall, that was, save for Cozart, the next Nope, no, but it was Keon Brown. Keon Brown. That's who it was. Keon Brown came to the camp, came right? And right got the offer, right? Before right before Cade McIntyre. It was him and then McIntyre. And then at the tail end of the month, they added Heath Ozida and Samuel Masigo. But there was a dry spell for Oklahoma on the recruiting trail between McCarty's commitment in early February and Keon Brown's commitment in early June. Now, I think when you look at this 2024 cycle, it's pretty evident that the drought in this case simply consists of Oklahoma taking quite a while to get on the board officially with their first pledge, which is somewhat understandable. Right? If, it, if a kid wants to shut things down before, his, before the end of his junior year, oftentimes he's going to quote-unquote shut things down with a school that doesn't have a policy like Oklahoma's where, hey, if you commit to us, you're not taking any more visits. Mm -hmm. right? So I think it's natural that – the drought for Oklahoma in terms of being or in terms of somebody being first on the board has lasted until now. But I, I will continue to maintain that I think come June, we're not talking about three OU commits like we were a year ago at that time. I think come June, you'll have seven, eight on the board minimum. There you go. All right, break time right here. Mike Steely, Parker Thune with you. It's the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. We've got Jesse Crittenden joining us during the second hour, one thirty-five. Come back. We'll talk about OU Texas and the Big 12. When is this breakup going to happen? I mean, it's over. Let's. It's like OU and Texas are in the friend zone. Let's get out of this deal. Stay with us. We'll talk about it next.
All right, always want to thank our friends at Riverwind Casino. They sponsor our uh, call-in line, 405-329-9000. Riverwind always has the best promotions. Month of February is no different. Uh, $95,000 in cash and bonus play up for grabs in February, including the 75 k Love to Get Away promotion. Now through February 25th, play with your wild card to earn points, and you could win one of three $10,000 travel vouchers. They're given away from Ray's Travel. Uh, that'll get you a nice trip right there. They're also giving away uh, one of five. You could win one of five grand prize awards of $5,000 cash in this promotion. All kinds of other cash and bonus play and prizes involved uh, in the 75K Love to Give Away, Love to Get Away promotion over at Riverwind, where they're all about winning. Uh, you know, with the great bars, great dining, great promotion, best concerts, best service, world-class hotel. It's all right there. You can win, be entertained, eat well. It's all happening all the time, 24-7, every day at Riverwind Casino, simply the best. You want to jump into the Air Comfort Solutions tax line real quick, 405-651-3439. All right. Uh, let's see what we have on the text line from the folks. Oh yeah, this is some this is some news. Michael Hawkins' friend Devon Mitchell is transferring to Los Alamitos. Is that a mule shoe move? <laughs> that is the mule shoe feeder school. Oh my! Oh gosh, boy! Really? Michael Hawkins to USC. It's the only logical conclusion. Uh, somebody said, Steely, if you want more in-depth info on 2024 quarterback Michael Van Buren, <laughs> check in with George Costanza and the Van Buren boys. <laughs> You'll need to learn the secret handshake. Though. I love a good Seinfeld reference. Very nice. Uh, Parker, how does the downing of the Chinese spy balloon affect the David Stone recruitment? Stay tuned. We'll discuss that in great detail at 2 p.m. on Locked In. David Stone just tweeted a picture of a Whataburger cup. He's got that OUD. There you go. It's a done deal, man. Done deal. Do they have uh, Whataburger in East Lansing, Michigan? Not to my knowledge. Somebody's Googling it Absolutely right now. Absolutely not. No, Somebody's- there's no way. That's way out of Whataburger's territory. Somebody said, when is Joe C. going to let Patty Gasso take over the men's <laughs> basketball team and the football team? Queen Patty, man. She might get her seventh this year. I mean, their favorite, obviously. They start up on Thursday in the uh, Mark Campbell Invitational out in Irvine, California. They've got Duke in uh, the first game at 6 p.m. Thursday night. Liberty, 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 Liberty at 9 o'clock. I mean, they are just stacked. to the. I mean, you lose – Arguably the best hitter in college softball history and the face of your program. But OU is much bigger than one player. It's much bigger than, a you know, three or four or five players. I mean, when you talk about – it's almost like having an all-star team out there, you know, with everything they have. They're going to be unbelievable. And clearly, uh, Patty has set the bar so high that it's basically every year for Oklahoma, national championship or bust. That's pretty much it. Somebody on the text line said, T.A. Cunningham update, uh, hashtag not a sooner. Let me just put it that way. Uh, is there any update on Virginia linebacker transfer Nick Jackson? Man, we've been waiting for this shoe to drop for a, for more than a minute now. And it's going to be Oklahoma or it's going to be Iowa. It's going to be one of those two schools. And I think we were having the conversation last week at this time on right. Monday that it was OU or Iowa and that a decision was coming soon from Jackson. Uh, talking to folks close to that situation, it sounds like he's really trying to play coy about what the final decision is going to be and maybe telling both Oklahoma and Iowa a little bit of what they want to hear. So I don't know. 
I honestly could not tell you whether Jackson is going to be a Sooner or going to be a Hawkeye. But what I can tell you is he's either going to be a Sooner or he's going to be a Hawkeye. And this is a kid, again, if he picks Oklahoma, that is a proven player in a Power 5 conference. And you may say, oh, Virginia or whatever. Okay, I get that. But still, this guy has made plays in that league, in the ACC, and has been a good player for a while. So uh, it would be a great get in the portal for OU. One listener says, I'm going to the doubleheader in Irvine on Thursday. There you go. There Sunny you go. softball weather. Does Jackson start over Stutzman, asks one listener. No, I don't think Nick Jackson would start over Danny Stutzman. How about Canick? If you project Canick as a starter, it's it's tough because Canick isn't quite there, and I think the expectation is that he's gonna get there between spring ball. The athleticism, the ability is all there. It's It's just about more reps and getting to know the defense even better, and and just getting more time out there. I don't think you know. And that's why. The natural ability out there for Jaron Canick on a lot of plays. And that's why I think everybody's taking it for granted that he's going to be a starter this fall, right? Because, like you said, there is absolutely no question that he has the athleticism and the physical traits to be a dominant linebacker. It's just, from a cognitive perspective, he's not quite there, although he is very close. And I think the reasonable expectation is that he's going to make that leap once spring practices roll around, and especially once fall camp rolls around in August, and be ready to start as a sophomore for Brent Venables. But I think if you get a guy like Nick Jackson, what you have there is a safety net, where you don't have to bet the farm Mm -hmm. on Jaron Canick being a guy that gets 75 80% of the snaps as a sophomore. And maybe if you don't view him as completely ready, and trust me, Brent Venables will have a far better read on that situation than any of us. But if for whatever reason... Jaron Kanick isn't ready to be entrusted with that much responsibility yet, or even if for whatever reason Deshaun McCullough shows up and hasn't lived up to the billing for one reason or another, then Nick Jackson provides you a safety net in that he's a plug-and-play option, a guy that has had three incredibly productive seasons at the Power 5 level, and you know what you're getting in a guy like that. Bottom line, Jaron Canick's going to play a lot. And if Nick Jackson ends up at Oklahoma and he doesn't start, he's probably going to play a lot of reps too. You know, it just looks like he's a proven guy and you definitely need more depth there. There's no doubt about it. All right, uh, from the 580, Parker, how you feel about Zadavion Sims and Nigel Smith? Where are they leaning? Zadavion Sims and Nigel Smith are both OU leans right now. And, <laughs> you know, we – We've had the conversation with David Stone about how there's a lot of that Michigan State hype, and what everybody needs to be cognizant of in that regard is that, A, Michigan State just lost their defensive line coach to Georgia Tech. And by the way, I was up in Kansas City this weekend. Losing Marco Coleman to Georgia Tech is something that took Michigan State out of the running for Williams and Winery, the five-star defensive lineman out of Lee Summit, Missouri. So when you reflect on the arc of Zadavian Sims' recruitment over the last few months – all those Michigan State crystal balls dropped late in the fall. And all of a sudden, folks nationally were talking about Michigan State as the team to beat for Zadavian Sims. Well, that momentum's kind of fizzled out. And if it's happened with Zadavian Sims, who's to say it doesn't happen as well with David Stone? And I kind of get the sense that ultimately it will. Nigel Smith, man, I, I have very little doubt that he ends up in Oklahoma's class. To me, it's a matter of when, not if, he's on board and committed to Todd Bates. And if Todd Bates and Oklahoma somehow screw that one up, 
then we can ha- start having the conversation about how Oklahoma's unable to land elite defensive linemen under this new staff. But I've said it a million times, and I'll continue to say it. With how many elite defensive linemen Oklahoma is already trending so well for in the class of 2024, I find it hard to believe that the average fan is going to be disappointed with Oklahoma's Hall at that position group one way or another, whether it consists of David Stone, Nigel Smith, Zadavian Sims, Williams Nwaneri, Eddie Pierre-Louis, any combination of those types of guys. All right, 405-651-3439. That is 405-651-3439. We have time for one more. Nwaneri to OU, ultimately. Well, I... I don't want to spoil what I just posted this morning over at OUinsider.com. And so for those of you that are VIP members over there that have not seen my notes on Williams Nwaneri, I would refer you there. But basically, OU is going to be in a fight to land his commitment. And they're going to be in a fight with a couple of schools, and one school in particular, that most folks would not expect to be in the running for a five-star defensive lineman. So... OU is among the lead contenders right now and will absolutely get an official visit from Williams Nuneri. Miguel Chavis has done a fantastic job with this recruitment, but there are still some obstacles to overcome there and some other schools that are going to get very heavy looks from the kid. All right, break time right here, 405-651-3439. Appreciate all your input on the Air Comfort Solutions tax line. It's Monday. Mike Steely, Parker Thune here in the Buffalo Wild Wings studios. We're going to come back, get more of your text in. We are going to talk a little more about OU Texas and the SEC deal, but we want to make sure we get to as many of your texts as possible. Still love this song. Still love this song. And Rage Against the Machine. Stay with us here on The Ref. We're back. Good to have you along. Monday edition, Mike Steely, Parker Thune. Steelman and Thune at noon here on the home of Sooner fans. Good to have you along. Hope your weekend went well. Super Bowl Sunday coming up. The Eagles, one-and-a-half-point favorite, 5.30 on Fox kickoff time. Rihanna, the halftime show. Should be a fun game. I think it's going to be a fun game. So, anyway, Okay. Uh, let's look at what's going on, uh, all the stories out there about Oklahoma and Texas, trying to break away from the Big 12 early. It appears that, you know, even the Big 12's like, yeah, let's get this done, man. I want, I want this, we want this divorce. Both sides, we want this divorce. But the problem appears to be Fox and trying to satisfy Fox with inventory money, however they can get this deal done. Uh, you know, you hear about the 99-year agreement. Listen, as long as there's money that changes hands and people are happy about the amount of money they're going to get out of the deal, the 99-year agreement can go away. All these deals can be broken. Now, it's good. it still looks like it's going to cost Oklahoma and Texas quite a bit if they get out early, but we'll see what happens. The stumbling block appears to be Fox. But so I, I know there are people who are even saying, that, hey, you know what? There's even a schedule ready-made right now for Oklahoma and Texas if they get this done now that they could play out, you know, uh, this coming fall. I don't see that happening, but I still think, I don't know, man, if you ask me, Parker, I would probably go 60% this deal's going to get done, and this would be the last year in the Big 12 for OU. 
And I know there's been a lot of talk, you know, depending on if it's Pete Thamel's story or Brett McMurphy's report or whoever is out there, you know, talking about Dennis Dodd. There have been a bunch of them. But, you know, if there is equal amounts on both sides from Oklahoma and Texas and the Big 12 to get this divorce, they'll, they'll eventually find a way. But the key player in this is going to be Fox, trying to get them satisfied. What are you thinking? Are you thinking it's looking like a year now? Would you be leaning to that, or you still think it's two? I mean, look, when all those reports came out last week and the national college football insiders were saying, well, it doesn't look like OU in Texas is happening until 2025, we all kind of knew, right? Regardless of the messaging that's being put out there, money still runs everything. And if it's financially – well, it's we know it's financially feasible, but – if it's in the best financial interest of these conferences, especially the SEC, these TV networks, and OU in Texas to make this move a year sooner, and if there's at all an avenue for that to occur, they're going to force the issue. And those talks are going to heat up again in earnest. And they already have. And so, yeah, I, I would tend to believe that this thing gets done in time for Oklahoma and Texas to make the move to the SEC in 2024. But as we've talked about, if that doesn't happen – it's not the worst thing for the Sooners. You get an additional year to beef up your roster, develop some of your incoming youngsters, freshmen and sophomores on campus right now, and prepare yourself for the inevitable leap in the level of competition that comes with a move from the Big 12 to the SEC. You know who probably has all that information because it's hard to unlock? I mean, you just get reports from – Ross Dellinger and Dennis Dodd and Pete Thamel and Brett McMurphy, all these reporters out there. You know who has the information right now as to really what's going on? Who would that be? The Chinese spy balloon. They vacuumed <laughs> up all that information. So you might get a report on ESPN China, and they might break the story soon, right? Could happen. It could happen. Because apparently they vacuumed up all the data, right? That's what I hear. I I I don't even know, like here's the thing about politics Steely I don't pay enough attention to know what's actually going on I and almost, what is just yeah. fictionalized stuff on social media like there was the video of the balloon getting shot down was that an actual thing or was that just a deep fake Did they shoot the balloon down The balloon was shot down in the water somewhere where water is Okay that's my report right there Okay Breaking I saw, news I saw Barrett Salier on Twitter today uh, spout off with some take like, I can't believe we knew the balloon was coming and we let it get over U.S. airspace. I'm like, I'm so out of the loop on this. I cannot offer any intelligent opinion on what's going on with the spy balloon. I wonder what Except the, uh, how it affects recruiting. Did it have, like, the Chinese flag on it or, like, the red, uh, like, the Panda Express logo or what? I, I Apparently I it was way you. up there, man. I, sh- I got my 22 out, started shooting at it, and didn't hit jack squat. But, um, yeah, the uh, this would be like we need to remake We Didn't Start the Fire, the old Billy Joel tune, and the Chinese spy balloon has to be in there somewhere with all the new stuff that we deal with all the time, right? Yeah, if anybody tweets politics, for the most part now, I just mute them because I got so tired of seeing that on my timeline. I'm like, mute, 
Mute. Somebody mute, on the text line said, mute. geez, Parker, there's videos all over the place of the shooting of the balloon. Okay, great. Like I said, that's not something I'm paying attention to. Do you want so. Parker looking at recruits or Chinese spy balloons? Yeah, I was on the road in Kansas City this Doesn't week. Doesn't have time. Making stop after stop after stop, getting y'all intel. I, I just do not have the mental capacity to start worrying about Chinese spy balloons as well. I didn't know that. I, I mean... I, I thought it would be more an aircraft thing, but I guess I don't know anything about spy balloons. Maybe that's going to be Bill Belichick's next maneuver. <laughs> you think so? Maybe the Patriots Patriots logo just flying over their next opponent, you know, <laughs> practice session. Patriots spy balloon. Wouldn't surprise me. Uh, I did see that Tom Brady told Colin Cowherd that he's not going to be in the broadcast booth for Fox next fall, but really? in 2024. Interesting. So he's just taking a year off. I guess so. Trying to get back with Giselle? I don't know. Maybe. Trying to repair the bridge? I mean, if you want to pair a bridge with somebody, a Victoria's Secret supermodel is a pretty good place well, to start but your you're repairing. Also, you're also Tom Brady. I'm sure you could, well, yeah, it's not like you could go Tom snag Brady. another yeah. Victoria's Secret supermodel. It's not like he's going to go on some app. And they're going to, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. How many Super Bowls? No, nah, I don't think so. Don't think so. Don't think so. No, that's not going to happen. You're right. You're right. So, anyway, um, yeah, the uh, I don't know. It's It was kind of a crazy week. Kind of a crazy, crazy week. I can't believe now they're upset that you didn't have all the information on the Chinese spy balloon. Like I said, do you guys want Parker tracking where David Stone is going or where the Chinese spy balloon is going? You want him tracking the recruits. Okay. You got Brian Williams to tell you what's going on with the balloon. He's probably up <laughs> in a helicopter right oh, yeah. now. Oh, yeah, Brian Williams, reliable source. <laughs> Mr. You know, fudge everything. All right, stay with us. we got another hour to go. Jesse Crittenden coming up at 135 right here on the Home of Sooner Fans, The Ref. Right here inside the Buffalo Wild Wings studios on a Monday. Let's go. How we doing? 405-651-3439 of the Air Comfort Solutions text line. That's 405-651-3439. Our second hour right here on Steelman and Thune presented by the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72 in Paul's Valley, USA. Great deals on cars, trucks, SUVs, pre-owned vehicles. Great guarantee. How about oil changes and engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you? It's a heck of a deal. That is a heck of a deal. All right. Um, interesting. I saw this weekend. I just want to spend, uh, a, you know, like a couple minutes on it before Billy Bob jumps in. Uh, Thunder at Golden State tonight. Steph Curry is going to be out for a couple weeks with the injury. So we'll see what's going to happen. Will SGA be in the starting lineup? What's going to happen there when the All-Star game rolls around? But how about the Thunder beating Houston with a franchise record 153 points? They beat the Rockets 153-121. to 121. SGA had 42, two points off his career high. Travis Davidson with his tweet jinxed him, there was no doubt. Uh, second time that Oklahoma City has... 
scored 150-plus this year. They had uh, another outing against Boston. Again, Thunder and Golden State again tonight, 9 o'clock out of the Chase Center. And then tomorrow night, 9 o'clock, man, get yourself a nap or whatever because it's going to be Oklahoma City playing at the L.A. Lakers tomorrow night on TNT at 9 p.m. LeBron needs 36 to tie. 37 to break break the all-time scoring record by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, and that could happen against the Thunder when the Thunder play the Lakers out in L.A. coming up tomorrow night at 9 p.m. That is going to be interesting. By the way, I saw some people. There are more people on Twitter right now after this Kyrie Irving deal went down. And, again, Kyrie, we, we learned that Friday he wanted to be traded. The trade deadline was happening. And, uh, you know, now he's headed to Dallas to team up with Luka Doncic. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, and draft picks going to Brooklyn in this deal. But a lot of people are speculating, you know, how, how are the Nets going to rebuild now? And, you know, uh, you know, what's KD want to do? And does he want to stay there? And there are a lot of people on Twitter right now that are saying, bring KD back to OKC. No way. There are some people out <laughs> no there. No way. More than, yes, there are. Right, hang on, hang on. Five years from now, are these same people going to be saying, bring Mule Shoe back to Oklahoma? No, because I still think that the uh, the way that went down was a little nastier. Okay, now, don't sure, get but we all called Mule Shoe the new KD. Well, no, no, you're, no doubt. No doubt about it. And and look, you know, you, you would have to give up Josh Giddy and some draft picks and maybe Lou Dort in that deal uh, if you were to get Kevin Durant to come back. Um do I think he would come back to Oklahoma City? I don't know. He said in the past, no, but that's when all this vitriol was still out there. And look, there's still, I would say, probably, maybe I'm wrong, I'm wrong a lot, probably 60 to 70% of the people would say, no way, you know, not going to happen, don't do it. But there have been more people than I expected saying, you know, make a move, get Kevin Durant. Can you imagine if Kevin Durant came back to Oklahoma City? And like, I cannot. Like he and SGA and J-Dub and Chet Holmgren won an NBA title. Would he be pardoned? Would he receive an official pardon from David Holt? Um, yeah, I think he would, would be my guess. I mean, David Holt is a uh, – he's not one of those wild and crazy politicians out there. He's kind of level-headed, you know. He's not – He's not a guy that I think would hold that grudge. I, I don't know how the uh, Thunder fan base feels, but like I said, I've been seeing more of this on Twitter, people saying, bring back KD. All right, 405-651-3439, 405-651-3439. Um, so, thinking about Oklahoma basketball. Oh, boy. It is – do we want to think about Oklahoma basketball? I'm trying not to, <laughs> but literally it looks like, and just when you think there, hey, there's no way they'll win another game, maybe the Tech game at home and that's it. You know, they may pull another surprise. You never know. But I, I just I don't see it. So they're looking, at my opinion, at like 3-15, and 4-14 and 14 in the league. You're going to have a losing record. Do I think Porter Moser can coach? I do. Do I think this is working? I don't. Is it too early to pull the plug? Yes. But, man, they've got – I mean, it's just – like I said, I didn't expect them to go to Morgantown and win. And I know they had a seven-game winning streak against West Virginia, and they've always played well in Morgantown, obviously, because of that streak. But I didn't expect another brutal beatdown like they got Saturday night. You know who this team's really missing right now? And I, I, I think that this has gone somewhat understated. Elijah are, Harkless. No, they are really missing Mo Gibson. 
Mo Gibson, yeah, and DePaul, I, I know, leading DePaul in scoring and assists, by the way. I think if Mo Gibson is on this team, they are a whole heck of a lot better than 12-11. and 11. And I know we're going to have somebody on the text line saying, well, yeah, Mo Gibson ain't going to get you 32 extra points. He doesn't need to because what Mo Gibson provided to an offense was somebody that always had to be accounted for when you were on the offensive end you of the court. You could space because, the floor better with Mo exactly. Gibson out there, too. If he gets an open look from beyond three-point range, he was going to hit it. He was always going to hit it. He and got so, better at creating his own shot, too. You and know? he did. And so that was a guy that even if he wasn't scoring every time down the floor, he was somebody that was drawing the defense's attention, which in turn benefited the remainder of the offense. And so if you have Mo Gibson right now chipping in an extra 15, 20 points a night for Oklahoma – and the net positive for the rest of the offense by virtue of his mere presence on the court, I think Oklahoma's a heck of a lot better basketball team than they are right now. Yeah, they, they've got to get more athletic, man. They just do. And again, I, this thing, I think this team is missing to Kimbe Matumbo. No, 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 not today. Or Patrick Ewing. Yeah, there aren't many of those out there, though, right? I mean, and usually those guys, like, Patrick Ewing would have gone straight to the NBA in this day and age. But, yeah, they need a rim protector. And, you know, I, I don't like dogging college kids. But, you know, like I said, the only NBA guy that they possibly have would be Grant Sherfield right now. And I'm not saying Milo Zuzan or Owe might develop into one of those kind of players. Uh, and who knows what the freshmen are going to look like when they get in uh, with Caden Cooper and uh, Jacob Cole. But – uh, and Shurfield is projected by like NBA Draft.net, like as a mid-second, late-second round guy. But you just—I mean, it's clear. I mean, Captain Obvious here—they've got to get more talented and more athletic. And they've got a couple four stars again. Those kids we mentioned coming in, right? Yeah, they do. Again, it's just—they <laughs> don't have size. Portal They're not recruiting size, and you got it. You're going to have to look to the portal for size. Here's my question. Obviously, there has been much ink spilled over Porter Moser potentially being in consideration for the Notre Dame job at year's end, once Mike Gray retires. If Porter Moser leaves Oklahoma for Notre Dame, think people are going to be all that bitter about it, or will they they be of the opinion that that benefits both parties to move on? What do you think the consensus would be? I think right now, the way it's played out, that they would be, you know, okay with it, you know. That's what I think. Um, now, again, when you go to the text line and you go to social media, you know, if you get the uh, belief that this is how everybody feels, that's not always entirely accurate because you always have a, a, a vocal minority out there or a silent minority out there uh, or majority. Out there. I have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm really old right now. Hi, I'm going to sleep. <laughs> no, but you know what I'm saying? Because there are still people coming in on the tax line and saying, you know, hey, come on, this is ridiculous to talk about getting rid of Porter Moser. And it's not that time. Kellen Sampson. Yeah, well, and somebody said, pull the plug, hire Sampson. And regardless of whether you're talking about Kelvin Sampson or Kellen Sampson, you think it's really just that easy? Now, I don't question that there would be – if you were to pursue – have a vacancy and pursue Kellen Sampson at some point down the line – he'd be open to that conversation. 
no question about it. But he's also the head coach in waiting at Houston. Yeah. And Houston's basketball program is in a heck of a lot better spot right now than Oklahoma's. That's just reality. No doubt about it. I mean, Kelvin's done an unbelievable job there, and Kelvin's been his right-hand man. And they are, you know, Houston basketball is back. Uh, you know, their talent level is not what you had with uh, Five Slamma Jamma. But uh, who's where, where their rankings are up there in the same ballpark, obviously. They've been number one in the country. Kelvin's got a perfect situation. They got a new arena there. It's a perfect size. People are excited about basketball in H Town. He's not going anywhere, obviously, Kelvin. But Kellen, yeah, I, I think that would be interesting. Somebody on the OU Insider message board over the weekend said, We ought to hire Chris Beard. That understandably made it to the message board genius's Twitter account oh, yeah. on social media. Yeah, fire Porter Moser, hire the guy who just got released from his contract with cause at Texas for being involved in a domestic assault case. You know, and what's Texas doing right now? They're on their way to winning the conference. In fact, if they win in Lawrence tonight, I think they are going to win the conference. And they might, 8 o'clock tonight on ESPN. For as much idiocy as there is on social media, there is somehow an even higher degree of idiocy on message boards. My, <laughs> the funniest thing to me is the people on the message boards who will send me DMs on the site asking for information i just got a dm like 20 minutes ago you got any update on michael hawkins commitment date like yeah no i don't have i i I, yeah i have an update i wasn't gonna post it though i was just gonna dm it to you yeah we talked about that earlier too well it's like some of the people that if you're not talking about exactly what they want to be hearing at the time move on or whatever it's like okay i got you so people are dming you for recruiting information like where was the DM? Was it on Twitter? No, it was on the OU Insider oh, site. Okay. I which get- is to say, that person's on the site looking for information on Michael Hawkins and just decides to DM me. Like, they pay for the information. Right. On like the you're, site. You're going to hold it back. Yeah, like, I'm going to hold it back from but today the it's board, the, it's the, the thousands Jeff of subscribers. Special. We're only releasing it to Jeff or whoever his name was. That's it. If you want, if you really want it, you know, you got to pay an extra three bucks. We're only releasing it for Jeff. What is wrong with some people? I mean, look, maybe he's a nice guy, but really and truly, something's wrong with his medulla oblongata. <laughs> if you're thinking, you know what, I, I'm a VIP on this site. I pay for the information. I don't see the information. Hmm. I'll just DM and see if Parker has the information. And why he's withholding it. Yeah. If I have the information and I have clearance to publish the information, I'm publishing the information. I'm not just sitting there twiddling my thumbs waiting for people to DM me with requests for the information. Yeah. Well, and it's again, it's like that's one of those situations where get outside and touch grass. You'll get the information if you're a VIP and you're subscribed, you know, big time. And that's how it works. That's how it works. So, man. Sometimes people. It doesn't surprise me, though. Social media, as we've talked about, is a great thing, but it's also revealed that there are a ton of morons out there. I mean, you hear it in the promo that runs for for our show. Mm -hmm. Going, What is it you say? You people need to get outside and get a life. I know. That's the old man yelling at the cloud deal, but I'm right. I mean, these people. 
Like they said on Seinfeld, they're people. They're the worst. Yeah. Okay. Let's hit the. Let's hit a break. I gotta walk out and get out of the uh, the Buffalo Wild Wings crockpot for a yeah, second. I'm sweating like, profusely. It's looking. You're looking like Gary Patterson over there on the sidelines. All right. We'll be right back. We're back. Monday edition of Steelman and Thune at noon, hour number two, brought to you by the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. That's the Seth Wadley Auto Group, Paul's Valley. Exit 72, if you're looking for a car, truck, SUV, maybe you're in the market for a pre-owned vehicle, they have the best selection and that amazing guarantee, oil changes, engines for life on new or used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. Jesse Crittenden, Norman Transcript Sports Editor, joining us at 135 on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. Stick around for that next segment. We'll talk uh, Sooner basketball, which is not a very pleasant subject right now, and talk a little Oklahoma football as well. All right, let's get into a couple texts. Then I want to tell you a a radio tale. A radio tale? A radio tale that I think because – we, uh, a lot of us around here, uh, Parker's a newbie. He's like the five-star who's like in his junior year now, you know. But, like, TJ's been around for a while. I've been around for a while. Tyler's been around. He's still, Tyler's still young. TJ's a lot younger than me, but I am Well, everybody's saying, a lot long, younger than you. That's too. no doubt. I, like, like I said, man, I was around, you know, uh, trying to avoid the T-Rexes and the Velociraptors. I'm so old. But... Uh, we always tell, man, there are so many great radio stories that we could, you know, there'd be a great book. But I, I've got a pretty good one that I think people are going to enjoy. There'll probably be one person, move on or whatever. But I think you guys will enjoy this, and we'll do it right before the break. Okay, um, 405-651-3439. Let's go. This is the Big 12, and OU basketball is playing intramurals. Go play intramurals, brother. Go play intramurals. This listener is saying one more year for Porter Moser, and then it's time to make the switch. Give Porter one more year. He needs bigs. If he can't get any for next year and show a big jump, that should be it. Yeah, it's it's too early. And, again, I think Porter Moser, when he was hired, I'm like, that's a, that's a big get for Joe C. It hasn't worked out yet. But, you know, if they had, you know uh, – better players and they were getting beat and had this kind of record then i'd be saying man look it's a bad situation right now but he needs more time he definitely needs more time well and here's what you have to consider and here's what you have to understand i think if you're a sooner fan people aren't going to like to hear this but this is the truth when it comes to coaching hires you would rather give a guy too much time than not enough what you don't want is for Porter Moser to go somewhere else after you cut bait with him and hit it big, and we're sitting here five, six years down the road, and the conversation uh, that we're having revolves around why Oklahoma didn't give Porter Moser more of a chance than they did, and we're going to have a renewed conversation about the hand he was dealt coming in at Oklahoma and how he was expected to turn things around immediately, and it didn't happen immediately, right? But here, here's the other thing, and I think – I think Joe Castiglione is good enough at his job and plenty intelligent enough that he's not going to cut bait with a coach before he's had every opportunity to succeed. But what you don't want is you don't want to have a situation like I would say Texas is a great example. Auburn is another great example. Uh, Gosh, what would be another really good example? 
of a program that's just churning. Florida State in recent years, where you're just running through coach after coach after coach, and none of them get enough time to turn things around. None of them get enough time to establish their culture and their vision. And all of a sudden, you're starting from square one every two or three years because you're not being patient enough for any individual to step into that situation and start to see a return on investment. Mm-hmm. Mike Norvell, there was conversation about firing Mike oh, Norvell yeah, after absolutely. two years at Florida State. Yeah. And to be honest, yeah. I didn't think that that conversation was out of pocket. No. I thought there was legitimate cause for Florida State fans to feel that Mike Norvell should be fired after two years. But guess what? He gets a third year, and boom, it turns around. And now Mike Norvell is one of the hottest names in the coaching profession. And he is revered down there in Tallahassee. And folks are starting already starting to put Florida State in the conversation as a dark horse college football playoff team next year. Yeah, here's what's going to happen, though. You're going to finish this year. I, you know, the Tech game at home is the only one game you look at and say, yeah, they can win that game. Uh, they're going to be an underdog in every other game. But they'll probably find another one somewhere. So they're going to finish somewhere in the neighborhood of 14 and 17, something like that, which shouldn't happen at Oklahoma, all right? Um, and, again, I know the league's tough and all of that. But the seat is going to warm up on Porter next year. I'm not saying it's going to be sizzling, but, you know, it's, it's going to be uh, – I said lukewarm earlier. I, I don't know if, you're, if, you're, if 10 is what you have on the, uh, on the stove, then it's probably at a 4 or something like that, maybe a 5. But, uh, again, Joe C is a patient guy. He's a smart guy. Uh, so we'll see. I, I think he deserves more time. And, yes, I know people are frustrated because OU basketball shouldn't be, you know, embarrassed in some of the games that they play. You know, and you can put the Alabama game out there and say that was awesome, and it was. But the Oklahoma State game was not a 10-point game. It, that was the final score. And they just got obliterated in Morgantown. Totally obliterated. From the 918 on the text line, totally agree with what Parker just said, but I would go further. I would give Coach a full five years. Culture takes time. It does, and guess what else? you're on the precipice of changing conferences, making the move from the Big 12 to the SEC. And I think, as we've talked about, that's more of a good thing than it is a detriment for Oklahoma as far as basketball is concerned. Right. Because there's a drop-off in the depth and the level of competition across that conference in the sport of basketball. But I think especially given that you have to navigate the challenges of realignment in the years to come, you have got to be patient with Porter Moser and resist the urge to start calling for his head prematurely. It's been a year and a half, and I, I, I no doubt will say this a thousand times in conversations about Oklahoma basketball over the next year or so. I'll go back to it. You would rather give a guy too much time than not enough. And there are a million reasons well, for that. That's a whole can of worms. No doubt. But, and one of those is you think the next coach isn't going to go, man, I gave Porter Moser two years. Uh-huh. <laughs> really? I don't think so. You know, so yes, there are other things that people don't think about enough. They just want relief right now, kind of like I had when I had the toothache. I needed the Orgel immediately. Bob from Cement says, "Hey, if uh, Mrs. Miss Cement doesn't shower, I have no problem telling her she smells." Well, but you, but if you really love Miss Cement, you just recommend <laughs> that you know she jump in the shower. That's it, and clean, and you know you've got to give her a chance if it happens. You know. For like a year, then yes, you've got a big time problem. But yeah, I look. Um, I, I do think that it's 
It's not working right now, but it would be crazy to make a move. And first of all, Joe Castiglione is not going to make a move. No. The move would be Porter Moser going somewhere else like Notre Dame. All right, break time right here. I want to get to – well, do I have time to tell this story? I think oh, I yeah, we got plenty. We, okay. we don't got to hit a break. So, anyway, a lot of times around here when we get our – you know, we're all trying to do different stuff. But sometimes we're able to gather out in the lobby and talk about old radio stories. So, I told one today, you know, we were talking about some crazy stuff, and I said, believe it or not – when I used to work at another place that uh, broadcast the games for the Oklahoma Redhawks, we were talking about a first-time person who was on the board. And the, there was an Oklahoma Redhawks game on one Sunday morning, and I was out driving around, and for whatever reason, I, I flipped over, you know, and I heard the broadcast going on on our station. It was Jim Byers doing the broadcast, Redhawks baseball. I'd, Jim sounds a lot better than that. I'm not making fun of Jim. He's good. But I just remember there was a – I heard this sound playing over and over. You would hear like, all right, here's the pitch. 1-1 one, one count. Ball two outside. It's not working. Hang Dang on. it. I have to do it again. Do okay. ball three. Here's the pitch to Jones. Ball three outside. You go to hell. You go to hell and you die. Okay, so I heard that the first time. I'm like, what the heck is going on here? And this was, again, back in the uh, – would have been probably around 97, maybe something like that. And I had a bunch of cart machines, and that was one of my carts that we ran on our old show. Now, if you're old school radio, the, the cart was like an 8-track, and you would push it, and it would play. So Jim Byers kept going along and be, all right, here, it's a great Sunday to come out and watch the Red Hawks. Here's the 2-1 pitch to Davis. You go to hell. You go to hell, and you die. That kept playing, like, after every other pitch. And finally, Jim Byers was like, not sure what's going on here, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, anyway, here's the 3-1. The payoff pitch, or the 3-2 payoff pitch coming you in. You go to hell. You go to hell and you die. And it kept playing. I must have heard that 25 times. So I called our program director at the time, guy we lost way too soon, guy named Ray Calusa. And I said, Ray, I'm out driving around here, you know, old school cell phone. I said, and you might want to turn on the Red Hawks game because I don't know if there's a, a one of my carts that's just auto-firing or whatever, <coughs> but we're hearing South Park sound effects over and over between every pitch. And he's like, what? And I can hear him like he turns the radio and I can hear it and I can hear the, you're going to have to die. In the background, he's like, oh, my God. So he ends up calling back to the station and gets on the hotline and talks to our guy, our kid on the board, who keeps playing this over and over. You go to hell. You go to hell and you die. Again, pretty much after every pitch. And he says, I don't know what the kid's name was. I never met him. But, like, Johnny, what are you doing? What is this sound playing all the time? It's First of all, you don't do this. Is it is it a, a cart that's just firing automatically? He goes, no. The kid said No. I thought the game was boring. I wanted to make it more entertaining. That's what this 19-year-old kid said. He thought the game was boring. He wanted to make it more entertaining. So he just threw that in in between every pitch. I mean... So it lasted like a full inning. I get that there have been so many efforts, especially over the last 10 years or so, to spice up the game of baseball. And I disagree with and take issue with most of those efforts but uh, that's a new one mm -hmm. using south park sound effects mr garrison yes uh you know dominated and they came back because they came back from a commercial 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for bearing with us. We've got more Red Hawks baseball. You guys, I mean, it was just over. It was like they came back from a commercial break and he was still doing it. But the kid said he thought the game was boring. He wanted to make it more entertaining. He never ran a Red Hawks baseball game again. But we're still talking about it we however are. many years later. Yeah. So yeah. it was entertaining. Entertaining enough to – Make afternoon radio in the year 2023. That's exactly right. We'll be right back. Jesse Crittenden joining us next here on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. Hope you're having a great Monday. We'll be right back talking what else? Sooner Sports. All right, we're back. Jesse Crittenden joining us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline on this Monday afternoon. And, uh, Jesse, Sooner fans are not happy with what they're seeing out there with this uh, Oklahoma basketball team. The jubilation has turned from uh, Bama jubilation to uh, Oklahoma State and West Virginia humiliation. And uh, it's pretty apparent that Oklahoma's not going to be making the NCAA tournament. The question is, can they win, you know, another game in the conference? And I think they will, but what would you say to Sooner fans out there that are extremely disgruntled that think that we've already seen enough from Porter Moser? Yeah, honestly, I mean, I, I think I sympathize in, in some regards. This is uh, OU is in a really tough spot right now. Um, I mean, we've seen time and time again, it's been like this for years, the Big 12 conference from top to bottom is as good and probably better than any other conference in the country. And it's not just because of the talent. Um, it's not just because of the athleticism. It's, it's, there's a level of physicality in the Big 12 that other conferences just don't have. Almost every game is a, is a grinded out half court, you know, both sides of the floor. It's, it's tough. It's, it's a battle. And, you know, that's why I think, a lot, you know, some of the teams, you know, Baylor or Kansas that emerge from the top of the conference every year. Um, are pretty well equipped to go against anybody, and I think specifically for OU, they're just in a, they're in a really tough spot. There were tough years before Porter Moser um, hung on. Porter Moser has not had you know that super elite guy or elite roster that I think you really need um, to compete in the Big Twelve. But at the same time, there are some some problems that started with him last year that. Um, are still here this year. They play at a really slow pace, even slower than you know almost every other Big 12 team. And I think it just makes them hard to win games. I think when you play that way, you, you kind of have to have everything go right. And uh, when one or several things go wrong, you see losses like you saw against West Virginia on Saturday where West Virginia takes a lead and it, OU just doesn't really have the offensive punch um, to, to kind of swing back, this is a defensive-minded team. Porter Moser's teams have always been defensive-minded, but when they get down, they, they don't have the offense to, to punch back. So, uh, I, I mean, I think college basketball, we're at a really weird era in college basketball where team building is really hard, and I think, you know, obviously life, I think, will be a little easier for OU and the SEC, but at the same time, I think there are some things um, that are troubling, and that balance now is how much time does the current coaching staff get to to turn this around? It's really hard to say. I think they deserve some patience for where they're at right now, but at the same time, you don't have forever, and it's pretty disappointing to go from that Alabama win to two back-to-back loss or to back-to-back losses where that Oklahoma State game ended up as a ten-point game, but it wasn't that close. So I think this is about as 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 
brutal as a you know two games following that Alabama win could be for them. Jesse, obviously Oklahoma's a flawed basketball team, and this is not to make excuses for them uh, in any regard. Obviously they have their shortcomings, and they have things that they're going to need to address in the offseason. But I ask you, is this 12-11 and 11 mark so far, is this more about Oklahoma under Porter Moser, or is this more about the Big 12? If Oklahoma's playing in the SEC, for instance, right now, are they any more competitive? Do they have any more solid of a tournament resume? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think it's a little bit of both, but I mean, and it's it's been said to death, but you really can't overstate how tough the I mean, the Big 12 conference is. Again, it's I mean, every team, every team is good, and I mean, I think I mean, I think at minimum there's going to be seven seven Big 12 teams that make the tournament. It could be as much as eight. But again, it's just a it's just a level of physicality from top to bottom. A lot of the teams are really old and have veterans. And yeah, it's really hard, particularly if you don't have elite talent. And Grant Sherfield has had some really good moments this year, but I think, you know, I think it's tough for him to be the number. It's tough for anybody to be the number one scoring option on a Big 12 team, but that's a really tough ask for him. And I think he's had some ups and downs. But yeah, you look at the SEC. I mean, they beat Ole Miss earlier in the season at the ESPN um, Invitational to actually win that tournament. That was the championship game. And then, yeah, I mean, that Alabama win, I mean, maybe in some ways a lot of things went right for OU that haven't this year. But, I I mean, I still stand by what I said after that game. I don't think it was a fluke. I think OU brought – I mean, and the Alabama coaches and players talked about it afterwards. OU brought a level of physicality on both ends that Alabama's not used to seeing in the SEC. And I think by default that made things easier for OU both offensively and defensively. So I don't think moving to the SEC would obviously solve all their problems. I think they would still have some issues. The SEC is is a pretty good conference too. But, yeah, I mean, I I do think there are things that Porter Moser is going to have to address. They really need um, to shore up their big man rotation in particular. But, yeah, I mean, the Big 12 Conference, you watch the games. Don't just watch OU. Watch the other games in the conference. I mean, a lot of them kind of look the same way. They're, 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 they look like boxing matches on the floor. And I just I think ultimately OU hasn't had enough, uh, particularly offensively, to, to get over the hump. Jesse Crittenden, our guest, Riverwind Casino Hotline. Let's move on to football. What do you think's happening with the uh, OU Texas and the – divorce settlement we're trying to get going with here it appears that you know the big 12 really would be fine with seeing oklahoma and texas leaving obviously in oklahoma and texas would love uh again to be uh, in a situation where this would be it or even if somehow miraculously they could get to the sec this fall which we we, none of us really think is going to happen but what do you think's going on what's the hang up what do you think is going to be the end result here yeah, I mean, I think honestly, some of the some of the info, some of the the stuff that's come out over the last few days, I really don't think has been particularly surprising. I think, I think it's been pretty common knowledge once OU and Texas announced and then voted to to leave the Big Twelve for the SEC. I think the the goal was always going to be to leave earlier than 2025. There's a lot of reasons to do that, obviously, with um, how successful the SEC. Um, has been on the field. Obviously, the the money involved. Obviously, with you know the feeling, I think from OU and Texas both that there's just, there's just more opportunities in the SEC. The problem was always going to be the amount of sides 
that we're going to have to negotiate and come to a deal. That's It's not just OU in Texas. It's not just the Big 12. It's also ESPN and Fox. There's a lot of money involved. Um, I think there's a lot of things that have to be worked out for that to happen. So, I mean, I don't – I mean, I think the, the goal was always, from OU's perspective, the goal was always going to be to leave early if, if possible and if amicable. But I think that was always going to be tough. I think, I think it's even maybe tougher now than it was when they voted in 2021. So I think my thought has always been that – I mean, I think initially I thought they would leave early, and I think that's still a possibility. But I think we're seeing how hard that's going to be. Um, for a lot of different reasons. It's, I mean, you basically would have to find a way to make every side happy. And that's just tough when you have this kind of money involved, the advertising involved, the, I mean, the contracts, all that stuff. I mean, I think we're, I think we're still moving forward towards, I mean, OU leaving, OU and Texas leaving probably in 2025. Now, obviously, a lot of things can change between now and, and, and you know, in the foreseeable future. But I think that's what we're heading towards. And again, I think in some ways, that's beneficial for OU. I mean, I, obviously, I think there's a lot of benefits to moving to the SEC early, but I, na- I think now with, with Brent Venables and this staff in tow, with things being different than when OU initially negotiated to the SEC, I do think there are actually some benefits, even if it's a little awkward, even if the 14-team conference is a little bit of a weird fit in the Big 12. I do think there are some, some benefits for them to, you know, for it to not happen until 2025, but Obviously, the, at the at the very least, I think it's going to take a lot of negotiating and a lot of sides um, agreeing on a lot of different terms for this to happen early. No doubt, uh, it's always about the money, and they're going to have to try and figure that out. It appears to be uh, Fox that has the issue right now. Hey, Jesse, good stuff. We'll talk to you again next week. Appreciate you guys having me on, Jesse Critton, and Norman Transcript Sports Editor, joining us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. Break time right here. One more segment to go. We'll get as many texts in as we can. Yeah, you're right. 918 OU also beat Florida 3 0 versus the SEC. No doubt they would be in a much better situation if they were in the SEC hoops wise right now. No, no doubt about it. All right, stay with us. Coming right back here on the ref. All right, back with you one last segment. Our friends at Riverwind Casino always have the best promotions. The marketing uh, promotions people have been great over there for years and years and years. That's why they are the number one casino experience in Oklahoma City, as voted by you guys out there in the metro area year after year after year. Over 2,800 electronic games. All your favorite table games are out there. The new member seven program uh, new members who sign up for a Riverwind wild card won't cost you a thing, and you can get yourself involved in uh, winning a bunch of promotions and discounts and all of that stuff. The new member seven program, you can win up to $450 in one day by uh, getting a Riverwind wild card. And February promotion, 75K love to get away promotion happening now through February 25th. Play with your wild card, earn as many points as you can. You could win one of three $10,000 travel vouchers from Ray's Travel. They are also giving away five grand prizes of $5,000 cash each. So, again, that's $25,000 worth of uh, grand prize cash as well. And all other kinds of cash and bonus play prizes to be awarded. Uh, join them out at Riverwind Casino. All your friends out at Riverwind are playing out there, dining out there, having a great time out there. $95,000 in cash and bonus play they're giving away in the month of February. And they're just getting warmed up. 
They're just getting warmed up. So thank you again to our friends at the one and only Riverwind Casino. All right, let's get as many texts in as we can before we get out of here. Interesting baseball nuggets. Okay. The SEC is implementing a 10-run mercy rule in conference play this year. If a team is up by 10-plus through seven innings, the game is over. The Big 12 already has something similar and I can't remember what it, I think it's on getaway days, mm-hmm. maybe. I think you're right. Toby would be the guy. Obviously. Yeah, Toby would be the guy. But I like that because sometimes, I mean, if it's if it's 21 to seven, you know, in the seventh inning, or and something, it's 20 degrees outside. Yeah, and you, you know, just that's it. The uh, you know, baseball. The the great thing I always heard going on about baseball growing up was there's no time limit. Yeah, that can be a good thing. It's kind of cool. But at the same time, there's sometimes you're like, oh, my God. You know, I remember calling a game back in the Coach Seymour days when they had a doubleheader. Um, I can't remember if it was North Texas or somebody. And basically the first game went like 14 innings, and then they had one after that. And it was like a six-and-a-half-hour broadcast, if not longer, thinking, please, please stop it. But they didn't. So, anyway. Uh, 405-651-3439. Texas and Kansas tonight, 8 o'clock on ESPN. Jenny Baranchek and the OU women just keep on winning. They beat West Virginia. They they hammered the uh, Lady Mountaineers 93-68 at the LNC over the weekend. And uh, they will be at Baylor tomorrow night, 7 o'clock on ESPN+. They're one game back of Texas in the Big 12 women's standing. So there you go. I would love to know if there are any OU athletes from the class of 2017 that are still playing besides Ana Yanusa. Um, hmm. Because all the obviously all the football guys, including Justin Broyles, and it really at, by the end it was just Broyles and Casey Kelleher. They're done. So I'd love to know if there are any athletes that are still donning the crimson and cream that were members of the class of 2017, like Ana Yanusa was. By the way, today's General Booty's birthday. Really? That's what I think I saw. I mean, I, I've got uh, – I am I thought OU Football tweeted it out, didn't they? I, I mean, must have missed that. I'm old and I imagine things uh, sometimes. Last, so. last year was, what, May 12th that we dubbed General Booty Day because that was the day he visited Oklahoma and decided to commit. So I guess we have to – I guess we have to reallocate General Booty Day. So this is General Booty's day, right? I I don't know. You tell me. Is this his actual birthday? I, I'm looking. I'm trying to investigate right now. I'm trying to investigate right now. Somebody let us know on the text line. Did I see things? Well, to be fair, maybe the text line isn't the best place to yeah. solicit information on General Booty because somebody texted it on Friday and asked if he was actually dating Margot Robbie. So, I uh, yes, I saw that as well. Margot Robbie, who is married. As far as we know. Mm-hmm. Do, do, do. Happy birthday, General Booty. Yes, five hours ago. Well, I, there you go. I imagine a lot of things, but General Booty celebrating a booty birthday today, ladies and gentlemen. Do they need, you know what the media guide needs? NIL stats section. Like, who earned the most? So you have your all-time leading rushers, your all-time leading passers, kick returners, you know, field goal kickers and your all-time leading NIL producers <laughs> in a special session. Well, like gosh, the gr- and the pages should be green. It's going to be a firefight to get to the top down in College Station. Oh, 
Yeah, I mean, really. Do you think Dion's going to be a, a big problem at Colorado? Or It you... depends on if he wins or not. Yeah. And it also depends on how much Colorado becomes about Dion Sanders. That's, that's kind of my concern, is that the whole experience at CU is going to revolve around Dion Sanders. What does the rest of his staff look like, and how capable are they? at the P5 level, because a lot of those guys are new to coaching that level of football. And so what happens when the rubber meets the road and all of a sudden you got to have guys not named Deion Sanders get out on the trail and recruit, and not only recruit, but also coach and develop the guys that are currently on your roster. That's why I think there's really no middle ground. Either this is going to be an absolute takeover for Deion Sanders at Colorado, and he is going to be running the world in the Pac-12 within a couple years, or it's just going to be a debacle, and the whole thing is going to collapse upon itself. Yeah, there doesn't appear to be a lot of middle ground there, no doubt. But if they win, you're right, man. Look out. He's he's already recruiting some big-time guys, obviously, but it'll it'll get even better. All right, we want to thank the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. We want to thank our friends at River Wayne Casino. We want to thank you guys for hanging out on a Monday. Keep hanging out with Parker and Tyler McComas and get locked in up next. Have a great Monday.